So we're now going to have our our Bible reading, and for our Bible reading, we've we've done something different. We're actually going to show you a video of the the Bible reading that all of us are going to be looking at in different ways in a a few moments, and it's got a few little friends in it that you might find familiar. Are we ready to go? Okay. Okay. When Jesus got to Bethany, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Many people had come from Jerusalem to comfort Martha and Mary because their brother had died. When Martha heard that Jesus had arrived, she went out to meet him. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now, I know that God will do anything you ask. Jesus told her, Your brother will live again. I know that he will be raised to life on the last day, when all the dead are raised. I am the one who raises the dead to life. Everyone who has faith in me will live, even if they die. And everyone who lives because of faith in me will never really die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God. You are the one we hoped would come into the world. Jesus was still terribly upset, so he went to the tomb. Then he told the people to roll the stone away. But Martha said, Lord, you know that Lazarus has been dead four days, and there will be a bad smell. Didn't I tell you that if you had faith, you would see the glory of God? After the stone had been rolled aside, Jesus looked up toward heaven and prayed, Father, I thank you for answering my prayer. I know that you always answer my prayers. But I said this so that the people here would believe that you sent me. When Jesus had finished praying, he shouted, Lazarus, come out! The man who had been dead came out. So thank you for John and everyone who helped put that put that together. We're now gonna gonna split off. We're gonna give an opportunity for for those who children who are under eleven to perhaps let off some steam if you want and to go and join Peter in the Epiphany Chapel while the rest of us will will stay together. And as so this is the opportunity to move. Please feel free to because I'm gonna start in about ten seconds and you won't want to listen to me. You really would rather go with Peter if you're under eleven. So ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Four, three, two, one. 
Wonderful. Right, okay, we're going to look at this particular passage from John chapter 11. I'd like you to do some work for me this morning. So why don't we pick up a pew Bible that you'll find just at the end of the row there. And you need to find page 112. Because this, when you find page 112, this is the, the particular story of the raising of Lazarus that we're going to be looking at this morning. And if you've got a handout this morning, you'll see that there's some, some questions about it. If you haven't got a handout, don't worry, because um, the questions should come up on the screen. And what I want us to think about this morning is I want us to think about these three questions in particular. So I'm just going to read it for us so we can follow it together. So when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to him, to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And so the, the, the first question we, we have this morning, as you can, you can see there, is what was Jesus asking Martha to believe? And I've given you four answers, possible answers. Was he asking Martha to believe that he could raise Lazarus at the end of time? Was he asking that he could raise Lazarus from the dead now? Was he asking her to believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Or was he asking Martha to believe all three of, of, of those things. Now, I just want you to maybe have a think about that a minute. And maybe think, you know, if I had to give an answer to that question, what response would I give? Anyone want to give an answer or think they might know the answer is? The answer is C. As we'll find out a bit more as we go on that Jesus, he was asking Martha to believe. Do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? And what that means. Then we carry on with the story. So if we read in verse 28. When Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately. The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were still with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And so the second question is this, why did Jesus weep? Did he weep because Lazarus' friend, who he loved, was dead? Did he weep because he was moved by seeing the pain and distress of Lazarus' family? Did he weep because he was annoyed at the effects of sin and sickness and death or all of the above? Now, you know how this works, so this time we'll do it a bit more audience participation. If you think the answer is A... Why don't you raise your hand? Okay? If you think the answer is B, raise your hand. If you think the answer is C, raise your hand. If you think the answer is D, raise your hand. Right, that's only about half of you, so that guess is either half of you don't care or you don't know. So here we go, let's go. It's not A. The reason it's not A is because Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. If you've got B, then yes, you could certainly get B from the text. You can also get C from the text as well. There's a couple of answers there that you see if you follow the text through and read it through that those things were happening. Let's move on to the third question. Here we go, verses 38 to 44. We read, Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Was it because Lazarus was Jesus' friend? Was it to show that he was the Messiah? Was it for the glory of God? Or was it for all of the above? So let's have a think. Let's see. Right. If you think the answer is D this time, put your hand up. Put it out. If you think it was C, put your hand up. If you think it was B, put your hand up. If you think it was A, put your hand up. 
So most of you think it was C. You can definitely have a mark for C. Basically, you can also have a mark for B as well, if you want, because they're both there. So I want us to think, basically, because we've been looking at this series as a church of called The Way of the Cross, looking at what are the, the key marks of what it means to be a follower of Jesus as he goes to the cross. And we're looking at another of those themes this morning called new life. You know, in that passage, Jesus says one of the most famous sayings that he ever said. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, we've often heard those words. I am the resurrection and the life. But what do they mean? You know, if we just to ponder and think of one more question this morning. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, does he mean the same thing? Or does he mean a different thing? I don't know if you've ever thought about it. These are very famous words. A lot of Christianity is based upon this statement of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. And we think, well, what does he mean by it? You see, if you think that it means the same thing, then it doesn't. Jesus is saying something different but complementary when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And to understand it, we've got to understand the next part of the verse. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will, will never die. The first part of that sentence picks up the resurrection theme. That those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this. That if you believe in me, even though one day you will die physically, you will live spiritually. Now, please hear me on this, basically, because I find so many Christians have this all wrong. That they hear the word spiritual and then they think of a disembodied existence. Resurrection when it comes at the end of time, is all about a new spiritual body, basically. But what Jesus is saying here is this. Those who believe in me, even though they die physically, will live spiritually. That's what he's saying because resurrection and Jesus' resurrection counters or defeats death, however we want to, to put it. But then Jesus goes on further to talk about life, and what the life is that he's talking about. And he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. In other words, and everyone who lives spiritually and believes in me will never die spiritually. It's this whole idea of Jesus promising this precious gift, the most precious gift any of us can have, eternal life. But both of them are linked to belief. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will, will never die. In other words, Jesus is saying that both of these things are linked to what we believe. When he's talking about belief here, he's talking, first of all, about something up here in our minds. Because Christianity is something that we believe in our minds. That Jesus' statement about I am the resurrection and the life is something that we believe in our heads because our faith has to be intellectually robust and creditable. It's credible. It should be able to be challenged. 
that somebody should be able to say, well, hold on, I'm not quite sure about that. And we should be able to respond and say, this is why. But also, it's so much more about what goes in here as well. Because our hearts are why, where we change. And we know this is true. Basically, if you've ever loved anyone in your life, you didn't kind of love them in your head, you loved them in your heart. That was what moved you. That was what changed you. That's where it became real. And so, in other words, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that I am the resurrection and the life, and if you believe in me, in other words, if you have faith in me, that you are raised to a new level of life that will never end. Not even death can end it. That's what he's making in this great statement. And then what he does is he takes the example of Lazarus, And he gives them a practical demonstration of I am the resurrection and the life. And so I want to leave you this morning with with three thoughts. Because belief always leads to movement. Belief always leads to change. You can't believe something and just stand still. It just affects everything you are. And I just want to leave you with, with three quick thoughts from this passage. You know, when... Jesus gets to the the tomb of Lazarus. He cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Just in case he, he might have been deaf as well as dead. He says, Lazarus, come out. And so the question this morning is this. You know, and we always have to start here. Because this is the starting point for everyone. Have you come out for Jesus? Have you made that that statement? It won't necessarily be a loud statement, but it will be a public statement that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you believe in him as the resurrection and the life. That you believe that this life that he promised that was so, so special... that you believe it's for you because of what he did as the resurrection and the life. You know, it's the most important question that we ever answer in the world because come the end of time, I will stand before Jesus and he will say to me, I said in this story, I am the resurrection and the life. Did you believe this? And he will ask each one of us that question. But something else about this life that I find as Christians we often forget. So many people see this statement and they see it as an insurance ticket to the next life. And Jesus never meant it like that. He says eternal life begins now. In other words, the moment that you come out for Jesus, you start living that eternal life with all the promises and all the blessings and all the privileges now. That's the first thing. Have you come out for Jesus? Here's the second thing. You know, Jesus says these words. Take away the stone. You know... Earlier when Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He says to Martha these words, do you believe this? And Martha comes back and she says to Jesus, 
Yes. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Let me tell you something about that statement of what Martha was saying. It is one of the greatest statements of faith in the Bible. She was saying, yes, Lord, I believe. And now roll forward the narrative one hour. And Jesus says, take away the stone. And what does Martha say? She says, Lord, don't be stupid. He's been in there four days. He'll stink. That's what she's saying. In other words, there's some discrepancy or some gap between her great words of faith and then when it comes to acting them out. In other words, that what Jesus was, he was a so far saviour. That, yeah, Jesus, you're the saviour so far. And I guess for, for some of us this morning, Jesus might be a so far saviour. Maybe if you've never come out for him, you can maybe take the view, oh, yeah, Jesus was a good man. Or maybe he was a, a prophet or a teacher. Maybe he did heal someone. But, but this whole idea of raising someone from the dead, I'm not quite sure about that. Or this whole idea that the salvation question is the most important question that you'll ever answer in your life about who Jesus is. Well, I'm not quite sure about that. I think I'll be my own saviour. And you know, Jesus just says, do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, in one hand, yes, Lord, I believe. And an hour later, she says, well, actually, I don't think you can do that. And all of us who, who have come out for Jesus, we all know in our lives, basically, that there's sometimes this great gap between saying one thing, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Messiah, and then perhaps when we get into a situation, perhaps with some members of our family or our friends are at work, and maybe it just doesn't work out the same way. And Jesus becomes a a so far saviour for us. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because we're, we're, we're scared because it's not easy to be a Christian out there. And I have it easy because I can wear one of these that makes it easy for me. So maybe it's because of that. And then the third thing is this. When Jesus is at the tomb and the stone has been rolled away, he says this, unbind him and let him go. In other words, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I began to think, what did the grave clothes represent for Lazarus? And then I remember that when we come out for Jesus, when we start living this life of faith, we still got all our old ways that kind of don't go away. They still kind of cling to us, our old habits. You know, the word we use for that is sin. We could use the word rebellion. We could use the word, sometimes it's our guilt. It's our shame. Sometimes it's, it's all sorts of things. Our lusts, our lack of love. And they all get in the way. And they cling to us. And they stop us from truly living the free life that Jesus wants us to live. And so I wonder this morning, where's the grave clothes? that are clinging to us? Where might Jesus be saying, listen, I just want you to take this off. just want this, to just peel this off you this morning and just be free. You see, in two weeks' time, we will celebrate Easter Sunday. And if you're here in two weeks' time, I'll remind you about this. That when we gather next time at Jesus' tomb, We'll find the tomb was empty. 
And you'll also find that the grave clothes are just lying there. Because the grave clothes could never stick to Jesus because he was perfect. But also it's a reminder that for us, at the end of time, these grave clothes that often cling to us will be on the floor. Never having to live with them again. So I want us just to pray and just be quiet for a moment and just think about which of those three perhaps thought it might be more than one that God might be speaking to you this morning about, about have you come out for Jesus? Where's Jesus saying about the so far saviour? And where is it about the grave clothes that he wants you to let go of? So let us pray. So now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. To the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, power and authority, before all time and now and forevermore. Amen.